0: Hi, friend, welcome to Charge My Core, where we are all about navigating the journey of self discovery together. My name is Susie, and I'm determined to change the world by having vulnerable conversations and deep connection that goes beyond a screen. I will help you uncover who you are at your core with insightful discussions, inspiring guests, and interactive challenges to get you out of your scroll and into your soul. This podcast will help you strip back who you think you should be to remember the wildly capable human you already are. Think of it as a cup of tea, a hug, and a kick in the butt all at once. So while we're striving for more, let's take a minute to slow down and charge our core. Hi, welcome back to Charge My Core. I am so excited for today's interview episode. Today's guest is Tracy McDowell. They specialize in digital feng shui, blending five years of digital wellness research and study with a decade of feng shui experience. Feng Shui translates to wind water and is a practice about nature and balance informed by the five elements cycle. Tracy works with their clients to establish ease, flow, and balance with their digital spaces. In this episode, we discuss the origin of Feng Shui and how they got involved, what digital laundry is and how you can start to do yours and navigating life as a millennial with technology and all the pulls of social media and apps and your phone. It's really just an honest conversation between two humans who are super passionate about digital well-being and I think you're really going to vibe with it. So let's dive right into the episode. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Welcome to Charge My Core.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about digital feng shui, and really dive into digital wellness. I know that's something that you just learned about studying with the Digital Wellness Institute.
0: Yes, I am so excited to nerd out over digital wellness. I am absolutely buzzing for it. So every guest that comes on, the first question that I ask so that I can get to know what's at your core is what are your top two core values from the list I provided from the queen, Brene Brown? (laughs) What are the top two and why?
1: Yeah, I also love Brene Brown. And I feel like the two that resonate the most with my work and my life right now in 2022 are balance and home. So as a feng shui consultant, a lot of my work is dealing with homes, be it like the idea of home and feeling at home or actual people's homes going into them and feng shuiing them. So home is like a really important concept to me. Can you make your external environment reflect your internal environment? And can you feel more at home in yourself because you've somehow mastered that like external environment. I just think it's a really good place to start with understanding like what home is. Sometimes people I think aren't grounded in themselves, they haven't found that balance, which is that other word for me. And so, I found that feng shui and working in homes is just this like really beautiful way to spark that inner work because people know how to clean up clutter or, you know, tidy their house or like move a piece of furniture or put something on the wall. And they can see how that makes a mega change in their life.
0: Right. And
1: that mega change can then be internalized. Like if we put some sort of altar to help like attract money or abundance or to help attract health, and that like does end up making a big difference, then it's easier to integrate that in ourselves and start trusting and feeling into that like home just within us when our external environment isn't a stressor. So home is a huge one for me. And then I think in my life, this idea of balance, I teach yoga and I did yoga teacher training. And then feng shui isn't entirely a practice about balance. And I've been practicing that for 10 years. This idea of like learning how to balance the self by learning how to balance the home also been really important to me. So yeah balance
0: and home. Yeah. I absolutely love that and I resonate so deeply with it right now because my husband and I just bought our first home and so we are renovating and we're doing all the DIY and wow. I am designing everything and choosing everything and it's making such a positive impact on my life to really have spaces that I absolutely love. Like my office is designed exactly how I want it. And I work here and I just feel so good in it. And so I absolutely love that and agree. And I also realized from being in the renovations, you know, we were living in it and it was like a building site. And I noticed that my kind of mental health symptoms and my ADHD symptoms were heightened because my environment was chaos. So I felt chaos (laughs) in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw kind of both ends of the spectrum and it's so rewarding. And yeah, I also resonate with the yoga teacher training because I just signed up for mine. So I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm going to do mine in April in Mallorca. So it's instructors from India and they've come over because obviously pandemic can't really make it to India at this point. So I'm going to do the next best thing. But yeah, I absolutely love your description of those values. And I'm sure my audience knows exactly why I've asked you on just from that that first statement. So before we get too far into the interview, can you share how feng shui has been a catalyst of self-discovery for you? Like, how did you get into it? What has it taught you about yourself personally in doing this work.
1: Okay. So my joke is that feng shui is the perfect job for me because as a kid, I was always a little bit bossy and I loved to move furniture. <laughs> um, and I still love to move furniture and I had a career as a director for a while. So that bossy part is still there. So I found a job where I get to help people, by telling them where to put things and they take it seriously and listen to me. And I feel like as I started searching for like what really like fires me up, those were the two things where I was like, oh, I'm really excited to help people by having them take me seriously. When I say like, let's take that really dark, you know, painting you have at the front of your house that you see when you walk in and like, let's move that somewhere that's a little more moody and let's put something a little more cheerful up. And when we have that, like, let's say it's a picture of a sunset or a sun or a smiley face, whatever it is, like, that's, what's going to light you up when you walk in the house and watching those changes happen without knowing what feng shui was initially. I was like, oh, there has to be someone that's like doing this better than me or knows more than me right And so that's how I got into feng shui is the more people I talked to about like I went to UCSD and I created a major in storytelling and I wrote 30 page thesis and it was this whole process and at the end I was like how do I how do I turn this into a job and quite honestly the thing that I was doing was teaching I was teaching art at elementary schools and I just didn't want to be in a public school setting and I wanted to actually make money and so I was like okay what I'm good at is moving furniture and communicating to people how their environments are affecting them and so that's what got me into feng shui is I started looking like where can I intentionally place things what colors are having an effect on me like how is my environment affecting me and so in 2017 after I graduated from UCSD I did a training with the international feng shui school and I learned you know the history of feng shui I became sort of uh, indoctrinated into a lineage that's very deep of traditional classical feng shui as well as what is more practiced in the west which is intentional or black hat feng shui and for some context feng shui translates directly to wind water and so it's this practice of looking at the forces in our world the chi the energy that shape things so when you think of wind and water the wind is blowing water that is literally hitting coasts or creating rain or like forging rivers and that's what's shaping our environment and so when we think of feng shui it's tapping into nature, it's tapping into the natural world around us, looking at how it is shaping the world around us. And then sort of synthesizing the things that are positive and in balance in the natural world and trying to find that in our house, using the five element cycle, using compasses, the low pen compass, using flying stars. There's all these different ways that feng shui can function. And so it's just such a beautiful practice to finally find people that spoke my language, that were into holistic ways to make their life better. And it originated in China but at this point there's so many practitioners all over the world that are deeply invested at looking at how does the natural world function and how can we integrate that into our lives to make us feel more at balanced and more at home in our spaces
0: yeah I absolutely love that I think it's so fascinating and fascinating that it's you know something that's so rooted in history and it's you know it's not like you've just come up with feng shui like you, you're <laughs> studying this lineage and that that's fascinating and so so when I learned from you in, at the Digital Wellness Institute, you talked a lot about digital feng shui. So can you tell us kind of how feng shui and digital feng shui differ? Definitely.
1: So feng shui is a practice about your physical environment and digital feng shui is taking the principles of feng shui, but placing them into the digital landscape, looking at how technology can integrate feng shui practices and like a holistic perspective to feel more balanced in those digital spaces. Because right now, I think what we all forget about is like, I feel like you and I are the generation that grew up with technology, right? So I remember giant hot pink, lime green, orange, like Mac computers. I remember the first laptop. I remember like early cell phones in a suitcase. And that's in my lifetime, like that's within the last 20 years. And so this technology is growing so quickly and what is not happening, unfortunately, is integrating balance into how that tech is coming up. Unfortunately, it's evolving in a consumer society. And so for me, digital feng shui is saying there's a way to balance this. There's a way to look at this as something that is in balance as a tool that helps us grow. And we need to start having those conversations. We need to bring that into the sphere of ethical technology. We need to bring that into the sphere of like, what is the digital? Where do we place it? How does it affect us?
0: Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important to have those conversations. And that's why I created this podcast, you know, is to really talk about it and and to be open and honest about how it impacts us. Because even when you study this, you're not immune from, you know, the addiction that the apps and social media and all of those things. And, And that's what I really like to, you know, get vulnerable on the podcast about my own journey with my own, you know, tech habits and my own relationship with technology. And so for you, even even as a digital wellness teacher and a digital feng shui expert, what part of managing your relationship with technology and social media, if you find that challenging, what do you find the most challenging about your personal relationship with technology?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to link back to something you said earlier about yoga and feng shui. What's really important to me with both of those that I love in my life is that they're a practice. Right. I, I know a lot. I can talk about them for hours. Like I'm so passionate about both these topics. No one is an expert. We can't be an expert on any, anything really. Like you can know a lot, but at the end of the day, to be an expert, you have to be practicing it. it. You have to be like applying it to your life every day. And so I think of this as like practices that I am using every day to help me be balanced and like feel safe within using digital spaces. So I really do notice that I also have ADHD. And so (laughs) I chase the dopamine, right? I've spent, I have proof. On my phone, like I've spent eight hours on TikTok, you know, I've like two days in a row, I've gone down Instagram (laughs) spirals. I've spent like whole days where I need YouTube playing in the background while I'm doing things just to feel sane. And so these really are things that I needed to learn about for myself so that I could understand and take it from being something that's really scary. And I'm sure you feel this way too. Totally, Something that I talk about a lot with my clients and I really push with my talks about these topics is that technology is supposed to be a tool. It's supposed to be a tool that helps us, but how technology has evolved, it's actually, we are the tool for it. It's getting data from us. It's selling right. us things. It's our phones are literally pinging us. I've I've turned off all my notifications. I suggest everyone does same. But like it's <laughs> pinging us. We are a tool for it and the people controlling it. And I want to shift that back to it being a tool that we use, like a like a hammer or a knife. You know, like a knife doesn't have a lot of control. We have control of it. Totally. And so I really think that that's where I'm focused is like how do we get this to be a tool again? How do we have practice? that help us reevaluate our relationship with these digital spaces
0: totally i love that i wholeheartedly agree and i think as well what you said about none of us really being an expert i think that that's so important and i find it so interesting how social media like all the advice when it comes to positioning yourself on social media and building your accounts and growing your business and using it as a marketing platform is to position yourself as an expert oh yeah and so I find it so interesting because to me, all of the most intelligent people that I know, all of the most successful people I know, say that they're not an expert, right? No matter how many books they've written or courses they've taught or speeches they've given, you know, keynotes, they know that we're all just human beings trying to figure it out, you know? And those are the types of people that I resonate with and learn from. And no one likes someone to be preaching at them, you know? We want to be like, hey, like, can we figure this out together? And that's really like the vibe and the energy of Charge My Core is not like, I have all the answers. Let me tell you, or my guests have all the answers. It's like, how can we relate and connect on these topics and really like find the answers? Because I believe that vulnerable conversations are the way to do that and really supporting each other by being real about how we're experiencing technology and how it's impacting us. And if we do get, you know, in scrolling paralysis or have times where we get really distracted and we think it's just us, and really, you know, yeah. <laughs> everyone's really struggling with it. Most people. Yes.
1: And they're struggling with it. I think what people have not been exposed to if they're not studying this, there is a book by Nir Eyal, Hooked, that was really popular in the early 2000s. And I'm a little, I've I've chatted with Nir. I think that he's written some really good books, Hooked and Indistractable, that are definitely worth reading. I get frustrated with him sometimes because Hooked initially was this book that tech companies in Silicon Valley during that big boom of tech in Silicon Valley were using as like the Bible, the be all end all of how do we create addictive technology? How do we create apps? How do we create websites? How do we create platforms that people do not want to leave? And he really did a, He's an excellent writer and an excellent researcher of synthesizing the ways that people are doing that. And I'm sure you could talk about this too because you learned about it, but this the hooked model is that we're creating apps that feed on three things that give us dopamine, our community. So think about like your, your iPhone or when you're on Instagram, the community is people sending you messages, liking your posts, talking to you. Community, then it's the self, posting pictures of yourself, seeing how people respond, shaping your identity online, choosing a photo. These are all really addictive things community, self, and the hunt is that infinite scroll. It's feeling like the next time I scroll, I'm going to find something on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or even your Google searches, whatever it is that's going to be the thing that gives me the dopamine hit. And these variable rewards, they're not consistent. It's not like you know that you're going to get it and that's what makes it addictive. And they, uh, Nir talks about this. Everyone that's done the research on this talks about this. It's like a slot machine. It's that idea that like you don't know when you pull it if you're going to get someone sending you a really good message or finding the perfect meme or, you know, getting a thousand likes on a photo or whatever it is. And so I think people are not aware that there has been research. There continues to be research and that people are in the tech world are actively trying to exploit this research to make sure that we stay quote unquote hooked on these things. And so, that's the message I feel like is the most important to get out is like there is research into how to be well digitally, how to ethically create tech. And it's happening so fast that that's like sliding through the cracks. And that's what's keeping us addicted, in my opinion.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, the tech companies can leverage what, what other people and creators and authors might be trying to highlight to help people. But that could be said for so many industries, you know, so it's unfortunate, but that's why we have to use our voice and and encourage people, you know, to take charge of, of their own relationship and their own balance, you know, and find the support that they need to change your habits because it's not easy, right? It's really, really difficult to change habits with social media, with technology.
1: Do you feel like you talk to people about the hook model? Like, do you notice that people are aware of it or not aware of it? Like, is it something you ever bring up in conversation?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I bring up a lot about the attention economy Mm. uh, and you know, the variable rewards. I don't necessarily reference the hook model specifically but I talk a lot about scrolling and dopamine and variable rewards and understanding that that's what keeps us hooked. But I find that a lot of my peers and a lot of people who listen to Charge My Core and are in my online space or in real life space, people are really shameful about their tech habits. Like they
1: don't. I was going to say that. Yeah.
0: They don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit the impact it's having or, you know, they don't want to, they don't really want to hear it. You know? Yeah. And so that's why I understand why, like documentaries like The Social Dilemma, which is so, you know, fear mongering, people resonate with that fear mongering. But then when it's like, when you want to have intimate conversations about changing their own habits, I, I think a lot of shame comes in. That's what I found, anyways. Totally.
1: I, something yeah. you were saying before made me think about shame with the infinite scrolls. I think that what I've noticed with my clients is like, and myself is like, I loved TikTok because I felt like the algorithm knew me. I felt like I was learning about myself by scrolling and seeing what would pop up, and that wasn't something I wanted to share. You know, it was sort of like those were those were things that felt very personal. And I wasn't open to being like, oh, well, my feed is full of like ADHD TikTokers. And like, my feed is full of gentle parenting. Apparently, like that's important to me. Like, I think people feel like because it's them in a screen, and this is something in feng shui that I talk to people about, like these screens, we think of black screens as mirrors in feng shui. So they're actually they're doubling energy. Like you're purting energy. It can see you and you can see it. So it does feel like a really intimate relationship. And so learning the self-trust yeah. to decide, discern like what that is going to feed you versus what you're feeding it. I think that's where the shame comes in, is like there's not a level of self-trust when the app is making so many decisions for you. Yeah. When the app is telling you what you like, because then you're not learning that organically. It's not like you're like out on a walk. And- and you like stumble upon a tree and you're like, oh, like fir trees are my favorite tree. It's like someone placed the fir tree in front of you and went, now fir trees are your favorite thing. Yeah. Like, oh, Now everyone uh, else likes myself.
0: fir trees. So you should too, because everyone else is doing it,
1: right? Exactly. And that
0: social, that community aspect is huge, especially on social media. And I think it's it's so nuanced, the conversation, you know, and, and that's why I love having a long form forum of, of a podcast to discuss it because I think even when you see kind of people talking about the need to pull away and that's why I started this podcast is because of the pandemic and because of our lives being forced online and everything you know socialization work every single thing that we did fitness well-being everything, was on the computer because it had to be. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that experience so many people didn't know how to cope with it and they also didn't realize because general, you know, everyday people don't have the digital wellness knowledge. They just didn't realize why they felt so anxious and depressed and, you know, confused and like digital overload, all those symptoms of digital overload. So totally. the module that I learned from you in the Digital Wellness Institute was digital laundry. So can you explain what digital laundry is and maybe just a tip or two for a beginner who is looking to implement doing their digital laundry? Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I explained digital laundry and I I created it with that specific name because we all know what laundry is. And we all understand that like, there is a point where your socks are going to be gross. Your underwear are going to be gross and you have to do it. And with technology, there isn't yet that like built-in mechanism to force us to go back in and analyze like, is this serving me? Is this not serving me? Whereas with laundry, we know like it's time I have to do it. And so The idea of digital laundry is hoping to introduce a culture, cultural kind of concept of like needing to go in and clear out the things that aren't serving you. A lot of times when people talk about feng shui, they talk about the idea of sparking joy, KonMari method, and everything goes along with that. And so if you've watched that show, if you're like interested in decluttering, it's the same idea, but we're taking it into the digital space. And the reason I like the idea of laundry is because laundry has to be done intentionally. You know, you need to pull your whites out from your darks. You need to like notice if they like something needs to be washed by hand versus doesn't. And so I think thinking of it in the same way that like we need to intentionally go look at our desktops and so this would be my tip is the first one is like go look at your computer desktop and when you look at it does it make you feel good does it bring you joy or does it like create fear another little sort of concept or tip that I think is great in the digital wellness sphere is the idea of email apnea so there's studies there's a lot of like uh, research being done on how people will hold their breath when they open their email they're like terrified of emails and I just think it's so silly that like these tools we create for ourselves can create physical issues where we're literally not breathing. And as a yogi, like pranayama breath breathing, like that is the most important thing in life. So if your desktop is creating a moment of like fear, then that's a really easy first place to start. And so the easiest thing that I noticed, that's like a, a great first step with all my clients, people I work with is just make one folder, take everything on that desktop and put it in that folder and then see how you feel when your desktop is clear. The next step is change your background to something that like really sparks joy, that like makes you feel good. Yellow is a good color for balance. I noticed your background is yellow. Yeah. It's my office. So for some people, <laughs> yellow is really good. Uh, blue background um, with water can be really good for calming, clarity, clearing. Those are the two that I find people feel the most drawn to, but just just that quick thing of putting everything in one thing, labeling it like what month are we in, February 2022? Know that you can go in and look at it, but just that first step of like putting it somewhere, clearing that space, changing that background can make a huge difference. And so that's the digital laundry. We can do that in our email spaces. Something that I, another tip that I think is really potent that really lands with people is our email inboxes used to be like, are the digital equivalent of a real inbox. And a real inbox on an Actual desk, like as I remember, you know, my parents working pre computers was an actual like spot that people put things in, and you would pick up the piece of paper and then like decide what to do with it. And hopefully by the end of the day, you'd have an empty inbox. And so I think what we forget is we are all often at most people i work with are using emails as an archive. Email is not an archive. Emails are supposed to be at zero. So my tip is think of an email inbox as something where it is at zero and start thinking about can i archive the information that is important to save intentionally labeled somewhere else because I think it creates so much spaciousness to have an email inbox that is at zero if you can. If you need it as an archive, I have strategies that people can use for that as well. So we talked about desktops. That's a good starting point. Emails are a good starting point for digital laundry. External hard drives are also a really good spot to do some digital laundry. I think of that almost as like going through photo album or even your actual like Google photo drives or Apple photo drive. Those spaces, Are less stressful when we actually know what's in them, when we've gone through and gotten rid of the things we don't need. Those are the top sort of spaces I feel like I can talk about digital laundry being really useful in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love those. And I also have this habit of asking guests on to charge my core when I need to hold myself accountable for things. And I'm (laughs) someone who I remember when I was in you know, in my cohort learning about digital wellness, I did all my digital laundry and I was like, all right, I'm going to set a reminder because that's another thing you taught us is that laundry is something we do consistently. Right. So, exactly. so it's a habit that, that you get into and every month or every two weeks, you go and clear out your desktop again, if you've saved, you know, images. And like, for me, you know, I have my own business. I have a podcast. I freelance in digital marketing. I do stuff for loads of different brands. So it's like, I have so many things that I'm saving to my computer all the time. And I know that I'm someone who, again, ADHD, it's like, I'm just like, I can't deal with that right now. Like, my executive function is not there. And so, but it does overwhelm me, you know, then to look at it. And so, yeah, I have to hold myself accountable. And I always challenge. My listeners, to also try this. So, if you're listening to this episode, Tracy and I challenge you to take out your digital laundry in some of those basic ways that she just shared. And of course, if you want more information, you can connect with Tracy and we'll talk more about that at the end of the episode. So, can you describe, you know, you help people do this, you help people in their homes, in their digital spaces. Can you describe some of the impactful results that your clients have had from, you know, prioritizing either digital feng shui or, you know, home feng shui, whichever you prefer to talk about?
1: Yeah, I think because we're focusing on digital wellness, I'll focus on the digital feng shui. So what I notice when people do digital laundry is that, the amount of screen time they have decreases. A good example is when you have your phone home screen to make sure that the first image that you open your home screen to has no apps on it. So to clear that of apps and set an image that makes you, that brings you joy, that sparks joy, whatever that is, it can be your partner, it can be your pet, it can be a favorite place, but they, that's the thing you see instead of all of the apps and all of the notifications. And then to like, be able to scroll intentionally into your phone to integrate and use those apps. And I noticed that people begin to have a healthier, more balanced relationship with their phone after doing that really simple step, because just that moment of like seeing something that they love when they enter their phone and then intentionally swiping over to use the apps, it gives them just that moment of pause allows them to go, Oh, I don't, I don't actually love using this. Like I could get more dopamine from like drinking some like crisp water or like getting a good snack or like just like laying in the sun. Like it gives us that moment of pause that I think technology companies don't want us to have. That I really do hope people can have. And so I have noticed that my clients start to slow down right. and they don't spend as much time picking up and putting down their phone just from that, like one simple tip.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. I have all my apps in folders. So I have to go nice. into them, but I don't have them on the second screen. So I'm going to implement that after we get off this interview. Let I me love know. that. Yeah, let yeah. Me know how it goes. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. And make sure like my background right now, I'm like deeply obsessed with theater and always have been. I used to run a theater company. So I have just like a lush, deep, velvety red, like theater curtain and like some chairs and I see it and it reminds me like, that's what I care about. Like I'm not getting on this phone to like feel the stress of hopping on Instagram and like trying to build a business and like connecting with clients. Like that's what I want. I just want like this like lush red, beautiful feeling and it helps remind me to like work towards that rather than work towards whatever people are demanding of me or whatever the digital spaces are demanding of me.
0: Yeah, totally. And kind of what charge my core was born out of was I actually in August of 2020, I got approached on Instagram to go on a reality program in the UK and I love to travel. That's how I met my husband. I've lived abroad in five different countries. Well, four different countries, five countries, including America, my home. And so I was just like, looked at it as an opportunity to get out of my apartment and, you know, get out of lockdown. And so I had no intention to do, a reality program, but the thing they said was that you'd have to be totally off grid. And so I was feeling a huge pull away from socials already, but because I was self-employed, you know, I built this business. I left my teaching career. I was also a former teacher. And so I really knew that this was my chance to do a, full digital detox. So I spent an entire month without any technology whatsoever. Albeit I was filming a reality show, but Mm -hmm. we didn't even know what time it was. So I didn't touch a phone, a laptop, a computer. I didn't communicate with anyone. I didn't send a text message. And then once the show was over, we got our phones back. And I remember being like physically scared to turn my phone on. Like I was like, I don't want this. Like I felt so grounded and present. And obviously, you know, I can't speak for your experience, but for me with ADHD, I get very overstimulated very quickly. And so technology really does that for me. And so I just realized how much more level-headed and calm and in control of my own self, I felt without technology. So that when I came back, that great pause was like ingrained in me of like, do I really need to check my phone? You know, like, do I really need to, am I going on Instagram or social media to do work-related things or am I just calling it work and just getting lost, you know, in in scrolling because yeah. you can absolutely do that, especially as an entrepreneur.
1: There's, I think, a really good resource. So I work, I met in 2017. There was like a very early sort of digital wellness summit that was held. And one of the people who I really appreciated that's, I think, at the forefront of this digital wellness movement came and has a podcast about this topic was Christina Cook. And she wrote the book, Jomo, The Joy of Missing Out, which is the opposite of FOMO, Jomo. And so she has the Jomo cast. probably a really good thing for you to listen to and anyone else that's interested in the topic. She interviews some really interesting people. But I think something that she talks about in that book that I appreciate that she did similar to you was a dopamine detox. Like she took herself away from the technology and realized like, oh, the feelings that I'm getting from the tech aren't as authentic as when the tech isn't there. I actually feel more like myself and more balanced and more in my joy when it isn't coming from this like external digital space. So again, I feel like this is, it's like you got the chance by doing that detox to really sit with like, who am I? What do I want? And then look at how tech could be a tool rather than something that like is just feeding you little dopamine bits all day.
0: Totally. And then, you know, that's what inspired me to find the Digital Wellness Institute and get certified and, and then help other people. And I still use social media and I still, you know, I freelance in digital marketing. So I help brands with their strategy and stuff. But what I love is that you don't have to choose, right? You can, you can thrive in the online space and you can thrive in your real life. And like you said, it's a practice, exactly. just like so many of the best things in life, is that there's never going to be that time where you find, like, oh, I have perfect habits, I have perfect tech life balance. Like, you're yeah. always going to be reevaluating, and maybe exactly. you slip into old habits, you know? And I think notifications is one. That's one of my main things that I tell people. And I know we, you already said that you have yours all off, right? All off. Yeah. yeah. No notification. I
1: mean, it's just so like terrifying to get ping, honestly. And I think people don't even realize that they can turn them off. Like a lot of the people I worked with early on were in their like 40s to 60s, and they had no idea there was even an option to scroll like through their settings and just turn off all their notifications, or that you can choose to only have the the only times your phone rings is like my mom has her own ringtone, my partner has his own ringtone, and you know my sister has her own ringtone. Like you can. Choose choose to make your phone into whatever you want. And that's what I think really so this is another part of digital wellness that I find so intense. The idea of digital wellness is not that tech is bad because there was a huge movement 2015 to 2016 vilifying tech. It was like no tech whatsoever. It was all the hashtags were like a uh, screen free, right. like no screens, like no tech. And I'm really happy we've transitioned to how do we make tech a tool? But on top of that, I feel like what tech creates is this decision fatigue. I don't know if you remember learning this at the Institute, but it really does create like uh, the another term that we throw around a lot is like the bottomless bowl yeah the bottomless bowl is this idea that you're never going to have like no content there's just constant information you can scroll forever and so if you're never going to be satiated I think of it like a popcorn bowl that like never ends like you will feel stuff and I think that's when the decision fatigue and the burnout kick in is your your system is like I can't stop if I can never stop how am I going to feel better and so it's nice to have the tools the the words the verbiage to go oh everyone is experiencing this. There's research on this. Totally. And I can step away and like do a, a detox and like reevaluate this like always on. That's another term we use a lot like this always on culture. We're always on and we always have our phones. We have these little computers in our pockets. So yeah, I love that you've turned off your notifications, that you're reminding people to turn them off. Yeah. And like making sure people know they don't have to have those that these phones are designed to make money. They're not necessarily designed to help us. And so we can then go back in and turn them back into a tool by shifting them to fit our needs rather than like the the need of the consumer.
0: Totally. I remember a stat from the digital wellness course that two thirds of people do not turn off their notifications. So all cell phone users, two thirds of them never change the settings of their notifications. And it's like, then yeah. you're getting notifications for like news stories and like every single exactly. app you've ever downloaded. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And like, so stressful. And you know, when you do work on your phone, like, and you're using Instagram for marketing or communicating, connecting with new clients, building a platform, like, if I had my notifications on for my DMs, like my phone would never stop. And that would be so overwhelming. Like you said, decision fatigue. I talk a a lot about that in terms of wellness as well. And just learning that, you know, getting in routines with meditation and taking out the, like, should I meditate today? Or should I, should I exercise today? Yeah. And that's something, again, with ADHD, decision fatigue, we're really sensitive to making too many decisions because our brain is is firing so fast.
1: And, and we're, we're just being fed so much. Like you said, with seeing news, like I think one of the most interesting things is that almost every screen we interact with on the internet, it's trying to show us more than the thing we searched. Yeah. You know, it's trying to get us to click on something else. And that's the attention economy, like at its height. Right. It's absolutely you're looking here, but we need you to pay attention here. And that that just creates so much unnecessary stress. So, yeah, I just wanted to add in like there there is like a gamification to all of the apps that you're interacting with. And those notifications are part of that gamification. It's a it's purposely read to get your brain to be like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to this.
0: Totally. And I, I think, you know, a lot of the Charge My Core listeners are activists in different areas and advocates, you know, and care about social justice. And I think in our climate today, it's like the news cycle on social media and everything that happens is like, it makes it even more enticing because it's like, these are really important issues that I want to talk about. I want to bring to my platform. I want to use my voice, but then it's so easy to get sucked down into it. And, you know, once you do establish a platform, like I've had people say to me, why haven't you posted about this issue? Why you posted all about that? Why haven't you mentioned this? Like, do you not care about this? And then it's like using, you know, using social justice as like this kind of like woke weaponizing situation. And it's like, I have had to really learn how to put my boundaries on like, you know, I want to use my voice. I want to talk about feminism. I want to talk about, you know, equality for all people, all genders, all races, every, like that is all so important to me, but I can't, spend my entire life yeah. doing that you know on the internet because i i have to protect my own well-being as well yeah. so i think it's really and, and a lot of you know a lot of my community are empaths as well and really sensitive totally. to energy in real life and online you know it's like when i uh, when i experience trolls or when i experience you know those social justice yeah. cycles where things just explode on the internet like i'm deeply impacted by it And so I have to also be cognizant of that and know that it is a bottomless bowl. And even though it's, you know, you're fighting for a good cause, you can still get really wrapped up in it. You know,
1: it makes me think, I feel like your mission with Charge My Core is really aligned with something that I teach in Feng Shui all the time, which is, which is the basics, which is a lot of us are not able to tap into what do we want? and what do we need? And the technology is, it's a constant distraction, right? And so it's, it's really, this is another digital wellness term. It's really trained us out of knowing our sort of intrinsic, like motivations. Like the idea of an intrinsic motivation is like having an ad right next to something with a bright red thing flashing. And so you feel like you have to do it. Like there's, they've created things within websites, within apps, within technology that, that make us like a, almost trained like monkeys to click on or go to the next thing. And so they're set up like that. But in the natural world, we have intrinsic motivations. They're they're also a part of our, our actual living, our rituals, the way that the routines that we set up. If you wake up and you immediately brush your teeth or you wake up and you immediately drink water. And I think that we're so into these like woke focusing on the external world. We've forgotten how to ask ourselves. I think that's what you're teaching people. What do I want? Like taking a deep breath. Like, what do I want? What do I need? And so for me, like you're talking about equality and justice as a non-binary person, I've learned that with technology, like what's important to me is me feeling okay. Is me being healthy. Is my wellness. It's not project to everyone. Like, this is what non-binary is. Like, see me, understand me, look at this. What I want and what I need is to feel safe, to like have space to settle, to be able to like experience joy and take care of myself with ease. And so if the worlds that were existing in these tech worlds aren't feeding that, then I think that's a problem. Like I think that that's something that is getting in the way. And so I really do want these conversations of like people actually asking themselves what they want, what they need, what their core values are to be more a part of like how they interact online and social spaces. Because most of the time when I post something that is about social justice, it ends up being a distraction. I'm not saying that. Not important topics. I'm just like really relating to being like, it's not always about showing that I like respect or understand this thing. It's the practice, again, this idea of practice of me being able to sit with myself and go, like, is this in line with what I want, what I need, and where I'm going?
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think you've totally nailed what charge my core is about because. I always say, you know, it's the question I would say I ask the most on this podcast. Where is the noise coming from? Because self-discovery is so tainted by the digital world, right? Because we have all these gurus. We have all these experts. We have all these people who are telling you how to feel or how to make six figures or how to, you know, experience your trauma or heal from your trauma or this, that, or the other. Like you can find literally anything on the internet that will tell you who to be and how to feel and what you need. And it can be really. And ask
1: for money. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and charge you for it. Right. And so with charge, my core, it's like learning. Like I always say, I want my voice to help you find your inner voice to trust yourself. Right. And that's where, you know, the spirituality comes in and, The yoga practice and really learning how to be in your body, how to feel safe, like you said, how to just exist just for you, not for other people, not to show them who you are, but just to exist in in a good place in your own energy. And I think the digital world is, is really making that difficult because even people who are promoting really positive things, it's still like on display for everyone to see, right? Because that's the nature of the internet.
1: Well, it still forces you into a brand. Like I've made TikToks and then refused to post them because I'm like, well, this could be held against me or like this could be judged in a way that I'm not comfortable with. I just think like the nature of work and like uh, self-expression has radically changed with social media because yeah you're trying to get attention in a 15 second sound bite like that's that's absurd you're already going to have to like be a very dramatic like big personality. You're right. So yeah, I just think the digital age has really changed the concept of authenticity. What I play with a lot with my like socials is posting whatever I want. I don't have a huge following because I only started using Instagram when I started my businesses. I didn't have any social media for about six years from 19 to you know six years after that. And so it's very new for me. And so I'll just put things out there. They'll get like three likes and I'm like, whatever. Like, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to put out there. But I think that it can be really disheartening to have everything judged with like light and something we study or that's taught that we teach at the Digital Wellness Institute is the idea of like the quantified self. And I always think of it, instead of looking at like the stats of how many hours am I spending on something, I think of it a lot. It's weird to have actual numbers, like how many people like or don't like you like it's weird to have all of that. I don't, it's not particularly healthy. It's helpful. Like it helped you grow your business. There's two sides to everything, but it is, it is a big factor in the idea of like the loneliness. Yeah, That's another thing we talk about the loneliness epidemic. When you have data, like a quantified version of like, this is how many people are interested in me after I posted this picture of my haircut or whatever, Totally, that can really affect you. And so for me, that's why that's another area I think digital. Digital laundry is important. In. I don't ever go into this one as much. Again, a lot of my clients are like older. I think for younger clients, I would do this though. It's like go in and like unfollow people on your socials yeah. that don't spark joy, that aren't serving you. Like if you, if someone is making you, I have one person on my like private Instagram that makes me very uncomfortable every time they favorite something. Like we met at a coffee shop and I just found them like very disturbing. And then they found me when my account was open. And now every time I see them, I'm like, ugh, I feel weird, like blocking them, but this is motivating me to be like, I should just block them. Like it makes me feel icky. I'm just going to get rid of them. Like it's my space. Yeah. I'm allowed to do that.
0: (laughs) Definitely. I think, you know, digital laundry definitely applies to who you follow, who you interact with, what you comment as well. Like I did a whole episode on body neutrality and healing your own body image and getting to that place of, you know, not feeling positive or negative, just being neutral, because I believe that's the best way. And because I have I help so many women with fitness and nutrition and I don't want it to be laced in diet culture at all, it's something I believe really strongly in. But I think we have to check ourselves because it's like, okay, are you body neutral about yourself? But are you then commenting like, oh, your legs look killer, you know, like commenting on other people's bodies. And that's a factor too. What are you commenting and interacting with and celebrating yeah. online? And is that really, what you value you know it's like I'm not going to comment about like designer shoes or designer bags because I don't care about those things like that isn't important to me so I'm not going to compliment someone you know if someone makes a caption about what that bag meant to them and how they worked for it or this or that like I would comment on the intent but not the material item and that's like I think that's a whole different conversation like the materialism of social media I
1: well but it's an Interesting conversation. I feel like what I am shocked, like while you were saying that, what that makes me think of is I also think people have different boundaries with how they communicate online, especially with social media. Like how you comment on something on LinkedIn is so different than how you comment from like a personal, like Instagram, which is so different than how you comment. If you're like watching TikToks, which is like, it's very surreal to step back and look at the different facets of ourselves and how we feel safe communicating within these like little like digital world subsections we've created, which actually I really wanted to bring this up because it's something I talk about in the digital feng shui module. And it's really important to feng shui because we care about the environment and feng shui. Like these spaces are are affecting our natural environment. And I yeah. think we forget that there are huge warehouses just pumping electricity and creating like CO2, carbon emissions, different things that our environment doesn't need just to create these digital spaces and house them and allow them to exist and allow archives of those things to exist. And so just like a little tidbit on top of all the other (laughs) buzzwords I've said to think about is like, do we actually need these digital spaces? Are they adding anything to our world? Because they are actively like subtracting from the natural world that we live in and like contributing to the climate catastrophe that we're a part of and working to eliminate.
0: Yeah. I think that's an amazing point and one that I don't think a lot of people consider when they do have you know endless emails and junk mail and and don't clear it out that it living on the cloud does take up you know energy because there has to be a source for that to exist and i think that's such a good point such a good point oh my gosh i could literally talk to you for hours and hours so we talk so much about social media and the interwebs and so if listeners listen to this episode and they really want to find you and learn more about what you're doing where's the best place for them to connect. And do you have anything off the back of what we talked about, like any specific programs you're offering or anything like that that you can tell
1: the listeners about? Yeah, so if you want to connect with me, you have questions, comments. If you want to work with me one-on-one, if you want to hire me to do a talk for your school or a group of your friends or anything of that nature, the best way to reach me is Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at nested, N-E-S-T-E-D feng shui f-e-n-g-s-h-u-i.com that email is the best way to like get a response from me for sure I also have a work number that you can call me at and leave a message and that'll be linked in the show notes and then the most exciting thing is I am starting a collaboration with two incredible um, feng shui consultants in Santa Barbara they run the feng shui collective and they have something equivalent to a digital laundry course that they've already created. And so I, we're actually, and I love working with other people. I love working smarter, not harder. So I'm going to be editing and amending their digital feng shui course, and we're going to turn it into something bigger, better, more beautiful, more support. I'm really excited to bring that out in March or April. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to do like a step-by-step, like actual cleaning with support and feng shui consultants that can talk you through the energetics and the the sort of chi of working in those digital spaces.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And I'll be sure to share that when it does launch, I'll share it on charge my court Instagram so that my community knows that it's ready to go.
1: Beautiful. So
0: we have two final questions. Okay. And this is a bit of a vulnerable one, but I love to hear because I know that we are always on our own journeys of self-discovery. So what is something that you're currently still working on in your journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance? Like what's your main kind of focus at the moment?
1: I'm working on forgiveness. So I feel like, Like people who have lived through the 90s and maybe even like early 2000s, babies had a lot of like pressure to be perfect. And so I am really working to be gentle with myself and forgive myself for those bursts of time where I do spend, you know, a whole day on TikTok and then delete it for a month or forgive myself for for little things like you know like forgetting to eat or not drinking enough water in the day i just think that we growing up with technology like we have this idea that like we can do everything and so i'm trying to forgive myself when i like have human moments and i'm like oh that was just a human moment.
0: Yeah, I love that. I really think a lot of the listeners will resonate with that. I definitely do, for sure. So the last question is, what are four words of advice that you would give to your younger self in the most pivotal transition in your life thus far. So it could be a big move. It could be a relationship
1: starting or ending. Okay. I'm going to give you two. The first one is it, it is just powerful and magical. It's from my feng shui master who trained me. It is a cliche, but it is true. And it is important to hold on to and remember if like me and you, you've dealt with mental health struggles. It's four words. It's you can do it. There's really nothing that like is impossible in this world is what i've learned but there is a lot that feels impossible so remembering and reminding yourself when it's like bleh, that you can do it
0: i love that yeah sometimes the most simple advice is like what really resonates you know and like what you can hold on to especially like you said like in those low moments in those hard mental health struggles. Like you don't really want this like (laughs) big philosophical thing to inspire you. Like you just need like that little oomph, that little self-affirmation to remind you to to keep going, you
1: know? But the one, so that one's cliche. So it didn't always land with me. So the one I think is really important is I carried it around in my wallet. I wrote it on a little piece of paper. It's more than four, but it really helped is my life flows smoothly and with Ease. Like everything in life can be like, this is very feng shui, (laughs) can be like a river. It can flow smoothly. It can flow with ease. There can be eddies, there can be dramatic moments, but like what we want is for it to not get stuck. We want it to flow and we want it to be easy. And so those words have been just so magical in the last like five years of my journey.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that is a perfect note to end on. So thank you so much, Tracy, for your time and your wisdom and your energy. This has been one of my favorite interviews yet. So I really appreciate you. And hopefully we can do it again because I feel like we
1: have lots more to dive into. Oh, yeah. I, we could talk for hours. I'm so I'm so grateful we got to connect. And I really hope that, you know, everyone in your community gets a little, you know, it sparks an interest in feng shui because it yes. is truly a, a needed practice in a world that is like stepping away from nature to be reminded that nature has so much to teach.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Thanks so much, Tracy.
1: Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you
0: so much for listening to charge my core. If you vibed with this episode, take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me at enthusiasm. Because if you connected with this episode, then I bet your friends will too. Together we can figure out how to charge up ourselves as much as we charge our devices until next time, focus on less scroll and more soul.